Veterans are who we are, what we talk about, who we fight for. This podcast sheds light on real issues facing our veterans. It informs the uninformed. It celebrates their triumphs and provides hope to those fighting a silent battle. This is Upholding Valor. Welcome, everyone. I'm Jill Atwood, Director of Communications for the VA Salt Lake City Healthcare System and your host for Upholding Valor. Sadly, we are divided in this country when it comes to the pandemic, and it is literally killing us. Too many of us, not just older veterans, we are now seeing young veterans. And in the community, lots of children getting sick with the Delta variant. What is happening here? We have vaccines, and they are proven effective, yet many people don't feel safe in getting that vaccine. We still have people thinking the coronavirus isn't real. What do we do as a hospital pushed to the brink? I want to introduce my guest today. Joining me is Dr. John Nord, Deputy Chief of Staff here at the VA Salt Lake City Healthcare System, and Jenny Chikalski. She is our ICU nurse manager, so you know she's seeing a lot of action and has for a very long time. John, I'm going to check in with you first. Um, Jenny's on the front lines. You're very close to the front lines. You're directing people on the front lines. Where are we right now? What what are we seeing? It's it's back. We're back in the middle of it again. Hi, Jill. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, it's been it's been a ride, hasn't it? And we are right back in a position where maybe we're worse than when when we thought the pandemic was in full force last winter. When it comes to how things are going at our hospital, we had a lull for a while, and over the last two to three weeks, it has picked up, and we are full full of patients. We have right now a total of about 11 COVID patients in our hospital total. And uh, Jenny will tell you who's in the ICU because those patients are definitely younger. They're more sick than they were initially. And it's almost like a little bit different virus than the first time around. It, it is acting differently. And um, the things we were doing before and, and what patients look like before is different now, and it is worse. I'll give you a little bit of, a, of an anecdote of my own. When you say things were literally, it's literally killing us. You know, I had a patient, I'll call him Mr. T. He was in my primary care panel when I was doing primary care. And, and I was taking care of him when he got his kidney transplant. And that was um, that was almost nine years ago, and I recently had to take care of him in the hospital, and we really didn't think he was going to get out of the hospital. And he got vaccinated, but because of his immune suppression medications, he was exposed, and he he could have died from that. Now, thankfully, he didn't. He made it out of the hospital, but that's just an example of how you can do everything right, and this thing can still get you. And, and we're still not completely safe. And that's kind of what we're seeing with the Delta variant. In terms of the numbers, we are at a, at a death rate in this country that we haven't seen since last March. We are seeing younger people with no medical problems die. And if you were paying attention last winter, it, it was clearly thought that, well, I'm young and healthy. I don't have anything to worry about. Well, that is not the case anymore. And what the real concern is, is if you get something like um, what's happening with the Delta variant, if you, if you get another mutation that is like the Delta variant, but 
is resistant to the vaccine, we're going to end up with not just the unvaccinated people being in trouble, but the whole of humanity is going to be right back at the beginning with a worse enemy than what we started with. And the way we can we can try to fight that is by getting vaccinated so the mutations that happen are slowed down because the because people it doesn't spread as much with the vaccine. Talk to me a little bit about the vaccine because here you know in, in the hospital we're we're science based and we don't listen to rumors and we don't um for lack of a better term rely on social media for our information. Why is the vaccine effective? Why should we get it? Um, talk to me a little bit about the history. If we have a veteran who's who's on the fence, I can do that. I, you know, the one thing I want to share is I was reminded recently that one of Ben Franklin's children died from a preventable disease that there was an inoculation for. And one of our founding fathers expressed that as being one of his greatest regrets, that he, that he didn't allow his child to get vaccinated because the child's mother had some concerns about the safety of the inoculation. Clearly, in that case, the disease was worse than the inoculation, and it took his life. And, that, and we, we see that today as well. Healthy people that are worried about the vaccination um, but still are at risk of dying from the virus is much higher. When we talk about um, the highest percentage in any state right now of people dying that have been vaccinated is 5%. So it is clearly working as a way to prevent death and hospitalizations. And that is undisputable. So I think when we talk about does it work? Yes, it definitely works. And we have the proof of that. When we thought, well, young people don't need to worry, that clearly is no longer the case. And frankly, one of, the, one of my favorite signs that we had in our vaccine clinic was a picture of a chicken nugget. And it says, you've been eating chicken nuggets your whole life, but now you're worried about getting vac- what's inside the vaccine. And I will tell you that, that the data every day millions of people getting this vaccine it is clearly extremely safe and the odds of you having a death or a bad hospitalization that results in long-term disability is much higher in the unvaccinated and so what we can do to stop these mutations and to 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 prevent death and hospitalization is clearly get that vaccine and i and it's not a political thing it's not um necessarily about personal choice i'm a kind of a libertarian at heart and I definitely respect that but this is a case where your personal choice impacts so many people around you and like Mr. T you you could end up spreading that virus to somebody who who's trying to take all the precautions they can and they end up dying as a result of you know our personal choices and so I really hope that people will consider how safe this thing is and the impacts that they can have on other people by getting vaccinated and preventing the spread of the virus and further mutations that could be even worse than the one we're dealing with. Well said, John. Okay, Jenny, I'm going to come over to you. When John says we're full, what what does that mean exactly? Yeah, thanks, Jill. So we're full. Let me give you a great example. Um, I received a call on Monday, which was Labor Day. Um, hey, we're at critical census. We have 10 ICU beds and all 10 were full. 
seven of the 10 were COVID positive patients. So we are at the point where we are having difficulty caring for patients with COVID, but we also have to consider that we're a hospital and we have we have various people that have medical needs other than just COVID. And so we're at a breaking point where we may or may not be able to care for patients with other medical needs. And so it it's stressful, the thought of, oh my goodness, we can't care for the people that need care. If they come in through the emergency department, how are we going to be able to take care of them if they need medical care? And so I think it's it's scary. It's scary to think that if I if I got sick with something other than COVID or if my mother who's in her 70s got sick that she may not be able to get the care that she needed because we are so full. You know, and I, can we create bigger wards? Can we get more beds? What does that look like? So we we recently um, dismantled our respiratory ICU, which was our COVID ICU. And um, the reason for that is we don't have enough staff. There are not enough nurses to take care of these patients. You know, And so even if we have beds, if we don't have nurses to take care of them, then we, we can't staff it. And so that is the point that we're at is that people do People are burnt out. Nurses are burnt out. Um, I want to say I've had since March 10 ICU nurses leave. What do you do? Try to bring them on as quickly as possible? Find new nurses? Trying to bring people on. um, That's number one. You know, we've done monetary incentives to try to get people to come here. Um, The other thing is we have eight travel nurses, actually 10 travel nurses And so trying to supplement our staff with travel nurses, which has, it's a good solution for the short term, but it's not a long-term solution for healthcare. What are they telling you when they leave, these nurses? When they, when they, when they quit or you have, you have turnover. So a lot of them are leaving for their own personal, you know, their personal growth, um, they are, they're just tired. Yeah. It's really, when you're looking at work-life balance, you don't, you don't get that. It's hard to step away from, step away from it. Right. Because even when you're home, you're thinking about it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's hitting a lot of people personally now. I, I would say our average age is probably between 30 to 35 for our nursing staff. And, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we've had a 36-year-old, a 37-year-old. So it's starting to hit close to home. Wow. Patients with COVID, you know, that are young. So you're, I mean, you're caring for, for your peers, you know, where... How sick are they? They're very sick. Um, the 36-year-old patient that was here, he, he has done okay. But the 37-year-old patient will most likely not make it. And it's heartbreaking. It's hard to take care of that because they have children. They, you know, they have young families. And so seeing, seeing that, putting that exterior picture onto things really makes it harder. And that, that emotional toll that it takes on nurses, it's, it's growing harder, 
harder and harder. Uh, are these folks unvaccinated? They were unvaccinated, yes. And that's got to be frustrating for you as a nurse because you know that it could have been different. It is frustrating. It's frustrating because, you know, the parents of the 37-year-old are vaccinated and encouraged their child to get vaccinated and they didn't want to. It's not going to impact me is kind of the, the mentality that a lot of younger people are taking. Well, I'm young, I'm healthy, it's okay. So no underlying health conditions for these two individuals. They just came into contact and now they're, they're deathly ill. Yeah. You just never so, know. It, it's like a roll of the dice, really. You can't, you can't predict. You had another story too about an older veteran who, yeah. um, I'm assuming you're having conversations with these patients when, when you can. Um, talk to me about that particular one who I, I think was about to have a big wedding anniversary. Yeah. So there was a 78 year old veteran who um, came in COVID positive and um, he, he has 12 kids or had 12 kids. Um, of the 12, only one was vaccinated. And um, right before he was intubated, she was outside of the room talking to him on the phone. And he said, well, I guess I should have gotten the damn vaccine. Um, he didn't do well. He unfortunately passed away. Mm -hmm. And um, he left behind his wife. And it would have been their 60th wedding anniversary. Just three months shy of his 60th wedding anniversary. I'm sorry. So it's, it's tough. It's, it's real and it's heartbreaking. How are you doing? How do you take care of yourself? I'm tired. Um, I've actually decided to leave the ICU myself. Um, I took a different position in um, same-day surgery PACU. It's hard. I've done ICU for 15 years, 12 years here at the VA, and um, it's taken a toll these last two years. You know, it's... Yeah. And I think the most frustrating thing is that we have the opportunity to to not to not be in this situation. Right. But it doesn't seem like there will be an end because there is such a, a divide on whether to get this vaccine or not. And that's frustrating to me as well, John. Um, why the fear? Why the disconnect? I mean, I know you don't have necessarily the answer, but there is a serious disconnect. Um, how can you not listen to, to someone like um, Jenny and say, oh, okay, it's real. I'm going to get the vaccine or I'm going to tell my friends. I, 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 I'm having a hard time with the fear and the disconnect. Yeah, and I, I have a hard time with that too. It's hard to relate. My, my own opinion is that vaccines are one of the greatest inventions in humanity and have saved more lives than almost anything else we've ever done, if not the most. And so I'm a strong believer in it. And what I'm not hearing is the strong um, disagreement with the safety concerns. What I'm hearing more is the apathy, and that's the most, that's the thing that bothers you the most. If you had a strong personal belief that that you weren't sure about the science and, and, and there was a problem, we could talk about that in a rational manner and we could show you the data. 
and make a compelling argument. But when people don't get the vaccine because, like Jenny says, they don't think it's going to impact them, um, that's harder to deal with. And I mean, there's a that's in a lot of different things. But when it comes to this pandemic, we have to overcome that. We we you can do that with your blood pressure if you make that personal choice or your diabetes if you make that personal choice there's people that don't take care of themselves but this is the one area we can't afford as a society that apathy and i really hope that we don't get to the point where we're seeing um, children's hospitals full of kids that are sick and potentially dying because we wouldn't get out and get the vaccine because of some minor concerns about what that might do to us and when when i think about that i don't i i'd hope that's not what it takes for some folks to wake up and recognize Mm -hmm. the impact that not getting that vaccine has on the whole society and on especially when it comes to people who are underage and can't make their own choices and unfortunately you know, the way we're looking at it now, when Jenny and I see these things happening and take care of these people and 12 children, you know, most of them aren't vaccinated. It doesn't look like we're getting there. And it, and it seems inevitable that we will see these more dangerous and lethal variants arise. And then we will be at a loss once again when we had a window of opportunity to, to get it knocked out. I, I agree. Um I, you know, I have, I have friends and I have a social media account and I, and I see different things and I, and it, aside from the apathy, I also just see that people don't want to be told what to do. And I'm not, I'm not sure I understand this because this is something we all have to do, uh, as, as human beings. Wouldn't you agree? I do. And you know, you can, it's it's a little funny. I wouldn't stick up for any one person in the FDA or Dr. Fauci. We're not, I'm not going to put him on a pedestal, because, but it's funny how he's become the face of the polarization, right? Like, sure. You know, and people think he's trying to tell them what to do. And I, I get it. Again, as a libertarian, I don't really like being told what to do either, but... Um, We're so far beyond that. When it comes to what, if you just take a look at what we did in World War II, yeah. you know, they bought, we bought so many war bonds as Americans to fund the war when people didn't even have the money to spend to do it. But we all came together to face a, a threat that we, that was clear to us. And we came together as a country, as a group of allies and faced it and knocked it out and everybody was committed to it. And I'm, I wonder why we can't get to that level of camaraderie and, and togetherness with facing this fear and how it has become political to either get the vaccine or not get it. When, when the history of disease in humanity is that they come up, they arise, they kill a lot of people, and then eventually they die out. And the one thing that we've ever come up with to help is these vaccines and it's just a little frustrating to me how we can't come together as a group of people with different ideas and different beliefs, sure. different cultures, different religions, and and recognize the common foe and what the threat is to each one of us and our kids and come together and, and get it done. And we were there just 20 years ago. I mean, we're seeing all the images of 9-11 as we come up, come up on the the 20th anniversary same thing as world war ii um 
maybe not quite at that level, um, but people coming together, sticking together, helping each other, kindness. We were all on the same page. And 20 years later, to be in the situation that we're in is unfathomable to me. Um, but as a healthcare organization and you know, our mission to take care of veterans, we will not um, take our foot off the gas on this. We may be out of gas, we may be super tired, but we're going to continue to do what we can do for veterans, which which brings me to the final thing that I want to talk about, which is just, again, encouraging veterans to get that vaccine and how they can get that vaccine, and then looking forward to even a, a third dose, uh, as you know, you hear in the news with Pfizer, Moderna, the J and J vaccine that we may need a booster in the in the future. Who wants to Who wants to take that one on? Um, I can take that. In, in terms of getting a booster and the Pfizer and all that, I think it's all inevitable that it's coming, and we will need a booster. And there's there's emerging data, and the reason why the FDA and the um, immunization group are being so methodical about this is because they really want to see the data on this. So right. when they rec- when they make a recommendation, we can't really accuse them of being unduly biased and going with consensus. They're going with what the data are telling them. And it seems like that the immunity wanes and it seems like people that have, um, that, that get a booster can benefit and, and, um, potentially avoid that severe illness or death if they get that and so it's it's in the works we think that the data are telling us it's going to happen obviously in the immune compromised cancer patients people who take immune compromised drugs we're already doing those boosters but i i predict that they're we're going to all be getting a booster you know we'll figure out what the jansen means and if we're going to get a booster there and if it's the jansen or something else um right now it looks like pfizer is well under well on the way to get to that booster and moderna as usual is probably not far behind Mm -hmm. so that's what i know about that and so once again we're going to be ramping up those efforts that we went through um earlier this year when we had to pull staff out of taking care of patients like you normally would in the outpatient clinic or wherever else people come to get their care. And then we have to stick those people in the vaccine clinics and other places. And, and again, the testing, getting to the testing, our testing levels are getting so high again that we have to stand up our COVID testing um, location again, which again, which pulls people out of clinical care to do that job because of the way things are going. And so all those things that are happening and people not getting the chronic care they need, cancer diagnoses mm-hmm. have gone up, things like that, uncontrolled blood pressure, diabetes have bad consequences. And so all this this ramp up of COVID again, and if we don't get vaccinated and it continues to revolve like it is, all these resources are pulled away from um, the normal things that we do, and people are definitely paying the price in that arena as well, not just from COVID disease. Well, I do believe that vaccination rates are going up across the country and here within our medical center. I've been checking in with our, our Blue Clinic, so so that's some good news. And veterans, um, family members of veterans, um, if you're listening and you're not vaccinated, you can just walk into our primary cl- care clinic today 
and, and get a vaccine for, for now. Um, but, but stay tuned as things change and things do ramp up because we will likely be standing up our standalone vaccine clinic in the basement. And as John mentioned, we'll be moving our uh, COVID vaccine testing to the multi-purpose center uh, here on campus. So look forward to the signs, but our messaging will be on our website and on our on-hold um, you know, messaging pages, um, Facebook, social media, however you follow information on, uh, you know, our operational status here at the VA Medical Center, that information will be there. Um, some closing thoughts, Jenny, before we go. Get the vaccine. Yeah. It's worth it. Don't roll the dice. It That's not worth it. We don't we don't have the manpower to continue this long term and if you can do your part it will help immensely what do you say to people who have gotten covid once or twice and say i was fine it's fine and i don't i don't need the vaccine there's no guarantee there's no guarantee that if you don't get it a second time you know with this delta variant that it's not going to come back more severe. One thing that we have seen, which was, which has been different, and you know, Dr. Nord can probably speak better to it, but it seems that with this new variant, symptoms are hitting harder and faster. Whereas back in 2020, it was kind of, you know, you're hanging steady, and then day seven to 10, symptoms hit, and that was a hard hitting portion. But now it seems that the symptoms are hitting harder, faster, and sooner. There's also talk about herd immunity. What is herd immunity? Are we getting there? Will we get there? Herd immunity is when enough people um, either have natural immunization or got the vaccine that the, the rate that the virus spreads in the community drops. And so that's what we try to achieve with the vaccine. And when right now positivity rates are, um, are around 20%, and back when we had our lull, they were around 5%. So, so it, de- it depends on the population and, and a couple of different factors, but mainly you have to hit a certain percentage of the population that have that immu- that are inoculated from the disease either naturally or by the vaccine before that spread slows down enough that people that aren't able to get the vaccine are essentially protected because most of the herd is protected. Gotcha. And so I don't think we're getting close to that um, yet, you know, with 50 to 60% being vaccinated, we're not, we're not even close And and the positivity rates and the way this thing is transmitting in the community are, are, are a testament to that. And so if you just let things take their natural course, it's hard to say what the, what the future will look like because we already know that you can catch this disease more than once. And so some, of, some viral diseases you get once and you're done, you know, chicken pox, right? And right. so um, this is not that. And so you, you can't just get to herd immunity and then be good because the next variant that's more resistant, you have to get to herd immunity with that. And then the next variant, the same thing. So this thing has a potential to to go on for a really long time if we don't take if we don't get vaccinated and slow down the transmission moral of the story get vaccinated and if you have been vaccinated get the booster when it comes your time 
Dr. John Nord, thank you. Jill, can I can I I'd be remiss. Yeah, absolutely. If I didn't say thank you to everybody healthcare workers across the across the world, but specifically in our VA and specifically in the in the Salt Lake City VA healthcare system, which includes, you know, the Idaho and parts of Nevada yeah. and our surrounding areas, the people that we go to battle with every day against this virus and have to deal with it. And it's not just the, the ICU nurses on the front line, it's the schedulers. It's the, it's the um, e- EMS workers that are cleaning the rooms and Behind taking the out the trash. Heroes. It's everybody pulling together to do this. And I know that we are burnt out and tired and feel underappreciated and feel like this isn't going to end, so why do we keep fighting? But um, I just want to say that you're you're appreciated, you're loved, and thank you for everything you guys do every day to get out there and take care of these American heroes who've signed a blank check on the dotted line to give their life for their country, and now we get the privilege to, to take care of them. Well said, John. 18 months, and we're still going strong, and... There's no end in sight, unfortunately, but we're going to keep doing our thing. Jenny, thank you so much. Good, thank you. Good luck in your new position and, and, and getting that break Thanks. that you need. Appreciate, appreciate it so much. Thanks for joining us today for Upholding Valor. Stay safe, take care of each other, and be kind. This is Jill Atwood. I'm a VA employee, Army veteran, and veteran of Desert Storm, and this is personal to me. There is no greater mission than to serve and fight for those who fought for us. Thanks for listening and thanks for caring. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe or rate us or better yet, tell a vet and tell a friend to tune in by texting veterans to 57500 or go to kslpodcast.com slash veterans. VA is honored to serve you. See you next time.